Hello and welcome to a new episode of Unranked with Logan Kelleher. This is the fifth episode. Uh, looking at week eight was this past week of college football, I believe, if I am correct on that. So yeah, we got a little bit of a late start. I had this idea, uh, you know, a few weeks into the college football season, but, you know, just in time for some excitement. This week, a few ranked teams lost. Uh, some teams that definitely should have won. I'm um, talking about you, Ohio State. Ohio State definitely should have won that game against Purdue. But things didn't play out in their favor, so they lost. And that's what I'm going to cover again today. What I've been doing the past couple episodes, I just go through the scoreboard. Um, stuff you probably already know, but I like to talk about this stuff, so this is my way to talk about it. So it's going down the list of... We'll just go down the top 25, Alabama, Clemson, you know, Notre Dame. Notre Dame didn't have a game. LSU and Michigan, they all handled, they all handled their opponents. Uh, number one, Alabama, 58-21 over Tennessee. That game from the very beginning – was certain it was going to go to Alabama. 28 points in the first quarter. Um, two touchdown passes for Tua Tagovailoa. Um, a rushing touchdown from Josh Jacobs and a rushing touchdown from Damian Harris. And then they just kept control of the game. Tennessee put up 14 points in the second quarter, but Alabama put up 14 as well. So 42 to 14 going into halftime. And some third quarter scoring in favor of Alabama again. No, no scoring in the fourth quarter, but that's expected. So they handled their opponent, keep their number one ranking, obviously. Clemson, we're going to skip Ohio State because I'm going to probably go off on a tangent with them, talk about what their struggles are, why they're doing so poorly, <laughs> and uh, what, they, what they needed to do or what they um, – will not be able to do the rest of the season. Um, so number three, Clemson um, played number 16, North Carolina state. And I thought that North Carolina state had a chance in this one, but I was wrong about that. Uh, Clemson takes care of them 41 to seven. The biggest thing for Clemson was, Trevor Lawrence finally being able to pass the ball. This was the first time he went over 200 yards. And that's something that they need to, to develop some more of. Um, over the past couple seasons when they've gone against Alabama, it's been Alabama forcing Clemson to hurt them through the air and for Clemson to throw the ball. Whether that's Deshaun Watson or Kelly Bryant or now Trevor Lawrence is most likely going to be the man in charge if they get to the college football playoff. When they get to play that Alabama team who strives for their defensive presence, they need to throw the ball. They're not going to be able to run for you know 200 yards, win on the ground, have Trevor Lawrence throw for under 200 yards. No, they're not going to be able to win if they just you know lollygag down the field, just running it because you know they're gonna they're gonna run it a few times. I think how that game would go. They run it a few times to start the game incomplete pass here or there. They have a three and out the first drive. They get a little bit down the field the second drive. 
but not really able to do anything. And, you know, Alabama's offense is so high-powered and they can score so quickly that the game would be over right there if Clemson doesn't get down the field, get a field goal at least, and start the game off somehow like that. It's going to just be in Alabama's favor because they can score so quickly and they have a great defense. And that's why I'm probably going to talk about it a little bit later because we're getting we're past the halfway point in the season. So this is when teams are doing everything to try to get into the playoff. I think that no team will beat Alabama. Um, if you're if you're on the side of Clemson, if you favor Clemson, or if you favor um, Ohio State or Notre Dame or Oklahoma or West Virginia, um, I'm sorry, but uh, better better luck next year. Uh, hope that Alabama isn't nearly as good because I just think that the common theme for them has has been that they're just way too good for everybody. They're in another league. And the, the big thing, the big joke that people like to mention was that the Cleveland Browns in the NFL, you know, one in 31 over the past two seasons, they're doing pretty good this year. If anybody has been following them, they're at least winning games now and tying. <laughs> but there was a joke that Alabama could beat the Cleveland Browns. And that's not true because the NFL takes the best players in college football and Alabama is not playing the best players in college football every single Saturday. They're playing one or two of the best players in college football every single Saturday. So, so no, Alabama couldn't beat Cleveland, but it's, it's a funny, funny little joke, I guess, but it's, I mean, that's what you have to say to Alabama. It's like, they're nearing that they're it's not competitive with them. It hasn't been competitive all season. Um, if you look at what they've done this season, Alabama, I talked about it in an earlier episode and um, talked about their lowest margin of victory and how for most teams, that would be a significant win. You know, if you win by 20 points, that's that goes in the book as, Hey guys, we did a great job. We, we dominated on our side of the ball. But for Nick Saban and his Crimson Tide football team, it's, you know, if they only win by 22 to Texas A&M, it's like, guys, we're not doing what we need to do. We're not we're not winning games by 30 or 40 points. What the heck, you know? Um, so, yeah, just going through their season, put up 51 against Louisville, won 51 to 14, Arkansas State 57 to 7, Ole Miss 62 to 7, Texas A&M 45 to 23. That was the closest game so far. Louis- and then they played... Uh, University of Louisiana, Louisiana at Lafayette, um, fifty-six to fourteen, beat Arkansas sixty-five to thirty-one. Arkansas somehow put up the most points against this Alabama defense. That's crazy. You know, you'd think it'd be a high-powered offense like Ole Miss or Missouri, or even Texas A&M, who's I like to think one or two good players away from being a contender in the SEC. But anyway, I digress. They beat Missouri by thir- they beat beat them thirty nine to ten, so a twenty nine point victory. Um, that was the fewest points this season. Only time they've been under forty, and then they just beat Tennessee fifty eight to twenty one on Saturday. So over the course of the season, they they beat Louisville Louisville by thirty seven, beat Arkansas State by fifty, beat Ole Miss by fifty five, Texas A and M by twenty two, Louisiana by forty two. Um, Arkansas by 34, Missouri by 29, and Tennessee by 37. So 
all these games, three score victories at least. Texas A&M, three scores with a two-point conversion thrown somewhere in there. Missouri, four scores with the two-point conversion thrown in there. Those are the closest games so far. And then break it down even further. If you look at just first half of games, Louisville, 28-0 to zero at halftime. Arkansas State, I'm sorry, slow country Wi-Fi, 40-0 at halftime. Ole Miss, this game was 49-7 at halftime. Texas A&M game for Alabama, it was a close game by the end, but 31-13 at halftime. Louisiana, that game was 49-0 at halftime. Arkansas, this game was 41 to 14 at halftime. And then the Missouri game, which was one of the closer ones, this was 30 to 10 at halftime. And then the Tennessee game, um, 28 in the first quarter. So 42 to 14 at halftime. Just talked about that. So Alabama is dominating the first half and then just playing good football throughout the rest of the game. It's it's their ability to score so quickly is what's hurting teams. And <laughs> it was funny. I was wa- I was watching the Alabama Tennessee game because I was like, okay, maybe if, maybe if I watch it, Tennessee has a chance to upset them. I thought completely wrong. <laughs> it's just my my watching it won't affect the outcome of the game. I just like to think that I matter that much in the world of college football, but it was it was just. The, the it was so funny. The announcer after the second touchdown was just like, kind of like upset that he had to announce the game. Like not upset. He didn't. I forget what he said exactly, but it was kind of just like, and there you go. Kind of like, <laughs> kind of like Tennessee did couldn't do anything to stop Alabama. It was just like the machine that is uh, Alabama just rolled over Tennessee again, and it's. My friend made a good point. I don't know if it's true. I haven't looked it up. Um, sorry that I didn't look this up beforehand. But he he made a, made a point about that Alabama's ticket sales are going down, which totally makes sense because why would you want to watch a team that's just going to blow out a team at home or on the road? Why why do you want to go watch that football game? You want to watch you want to watch the games that are they they take until the very last minute to decide the winner. You want to you want to be on the edge of your seat the whole time, holding on to your beer, having that nacho ready in your other hand, about to put it in your mouth but you can't cuz this play really matters. So you don't want to take any attention off of you. Got them both in your hands and then something happens and you jump up and you knock everything out of your hands. Your beer spills, your nacho flies off, flies and hits the wall. And then everybody just uproars cuz you're at a party and it's fun. Everybody's been drinking, everybody Everybody's been eating, um, you know, just trying to set the scene of the average football fan. <laughs> um, and that that's what you want. That's the point I was trying to make. That's what you want. You want games where something will happen and then you, you just go crazy. But like when you're watching Alabama, it's just like, okay, they got a touchdown within three minutes on the first drive. They, that's, that's another cool fact. They, they have scored on every opening drive this season in every single game they have scored the first time they've had the ball. What do you do if you're the opposing team and that happens to you every single time out? 
Like, if you're a struggling offense like Clemson, like that's the point I made earlier, or like Ohio State who lost, so they're probably not going to get in the college football playoff, but they still have a chance. You know, they play Michigan, which is kind of soaring in that top four. So if they beat Michigan, then they have a chance anyway. These teams like Ohio State that can't play football in the first half, that cannot score in the first half, like Clemson that relies on their ground game, can't throw the ball that well, or like Notre Dame who has a young quarterback who will need to go to the air, go to the air for the, for the majority of the game is what I'm trying to say. Or like LSU, that's going to be a struggle. This, this next game, um, for Alabama and LSU, they don't play until November 3rd. Um, both teams have a bye week. A lot of teams actually have a bye week, uh, this next week. So there's not a whole lot of action this week, but there's still at least one good game that most people should watch. And I'll get to that later, but, um, Uh, where was I? Oh yeah. Um, so LSU, they rely on the ground game. Joe Burrow is a good quarterback. I think, I just think he needs to improve a little bit more. He hasn't had a lot of playing time and that's the biggest thing. Um, he was the backup for JT Barrett at Ohio state. Um, and he didn't get a lot of playing time because JT Barrett was seldom out of games. Um, and so he transferred to LSU and he hasn't, played much. This is really his first season of significant playing time. So he's improving every single time when he's on the football field, but um, against Florida, he needed to throw the ball and he couldn't do it. He had turnovers for the first time all year uh, through two picks, um, just couldn't get anything through the air. And so when Alabama is scoring on their first drive and then you go three and out because you're trying to run the ball against them and then they score again, that totally takes down your confidence that you're going to win the game because they're already up seven points, 10 points, 14 points. They're already up in the game. So for the whole entirety of the game, you have to play with a, you know, state of mind that you have to come back and win this game. You can't make any mistakes. And that's when mistakes happen, ironically, I guess. And so, cause you're thinking you got to do everything perfect. So then you overthink it and then mistakes happen. And then that's how Alabama wins. They just, they play good. They don't. They don't beat themselves. Is one of the biggest things I think. Is the point I was trying to make. They don't beat themselves like so many other teams in college football do. Ohio State beats themselves because they can't run the ball and their linebacker linebacker core is kind of not where it should be. Definitely not where. It, definitely not where it should be if it were a championship contender. And then teams like Clemson. They hurt themselves because they don't throw the ball a lot. Uh, teams like Notre Dame, they hurt themselves because, you know, well, Ian Book was not making a whole lot of mistakes at the beginning of the season, but they hurt themselves with the mistakes that they have been making against these better teams. They're not even better teams. They they barely beat Pittsburgh due to just their own mistakes. And then teams like Oklahoma, they're, they hurt themselves because their defense isn't where it should be. They have a insane offense for sure. Kyler Murray is doing great things in Oklahoma, but past that, if you can't play defense, you're not going to win games. I mean, I'm not sure defense wins championships because at some point you need an offense. Look at Alabama. They have a great offense and they have a great defense. That's why they win championships because it's not just defense. It's offense too. 
But so many of these, te- so many of these teams, that's where they, that's why Alabama is at the top consistently because they do not hurt themselves. They win games because they don't make a lot of mistakes and other teams do make mistakes against them. And so I don't know where I was with that. Um, so enough talk about Alabama and how they're better than everybody else. Um, so Alabama, Clemson, cruise to easy victories. Um, LSU over over Mississippi State. Um, that was that was a um, well played game for LSU. Their defense uh, took control of that game. For forced uh, four interceptions from Nick Fitzgerald, fifty nine uh, fifty nine yards through the air. So Mississippi State, like they do, their offense is they ran the ball. Um, but they didn't have much from their running backs. It was primarily Nick Fitzgerald and, uh, for LSU, for them, it was also not a, not an offensive heavy game, uh, total yards for each team. Actually, Mississippi state had more total yards. It was just the turnovers force that, uh, won the game for LSU. And Moving moving down the line, Michigan beat Michigan State, so they're they're still looking good. They they had a uh, strong showing, twenty one to seven victory. They uh, held Michigan State to as a team ninety four total yards, uh, fifteen rushing and seventy nine passing. While on the other hand, Michigan had three hundred ninety five total yards. Uh, Shea Patterson a a uh, a great game. 14 and 25 for 212 and two touchdowns. And then Karan Higdon, who is second in the Big Ten in rushing, he had 144 yards on 33 carries, a workhorse for the Wolverines. And then Ben Mason, the fullback, had a touchdown, giving him six on the season uh, with only 56 yards. And that's the that's the players I like to see. I like to see teams that still use a fullback. So props to Michigan. They win. Um, their rivals, oh, their rival Ohio State, uh, did not. I'll get that. I'll get to that. I want to cover that after the victories. Um, Iowa, twenty-three to zero, shut out Maryland. Uh, Wisconsin beat Illinois, forty-nine to twenty. Significant victory there. Wisconsin lost to BYU and Michigan this year already, so they're trying to trying to get themselves back into a situation where they could win the Big Ten, probably won't get in the college football playoff, but um, they'll definitely get a good bowl game is what their their intentions are. Um, and Wisconsin, James, uh, John, Jonathan Taylor, James Taylor, sorry. Jonathan Taylor, sorry that I said James. Um 159 yards, no touchdowns, but Taiwan Deal, backup running back, 111 yards, two touchdowns. And then they add rushing touchdowns from Cookshank and the Engold. Hornerbrook threw three touchdowns, had two interceptions. That's, again, a team that run heavy, and when they're forced to throw the ball, they make mistakes. So furthering the point made earlier that Alabama is in for a while will be the top team in college football.
and I'll try not to talk about Alabama too much rest of the episode. Um, you're welcome in advance. Then moving down the line, uh, UCF, 37-10 over East Carolina. Mackenzie Milton was out of the game, so Daryl Mack Jr. was the quarterback for UCF, and he ran the ball primarily over 100 yards, um, under 100 yards passing. So it was it was very much a a running attack for UCF. Um, East Carolina, though, Holton Naylor's 400 yards passing, uh, 69 yards rushing, but only 10 points. So they had a lot of offense, but in the end, it just amounted to them not being able to win the game. Um, Kentucky wins over Vanderbilt. Um, Washington gets a win over Colorado. Colorado, two straight losses after being the only undefeated Pac-12 team. Then we have Oklahoma beating TCU 52 to 27. And there you go. Putting, letting your opponent put up 27 points. That's, that's not the best thing in the world. Penn state barely survives against Indiana 33 to 28 victory there. Um, and now for some of the ranked teams that lost, uh, Oregon loses to Washington state. And um, that, that was surprising to me. Um, I, I definitely thought Washington state could pull off the victory. I didn't think that they would actually, but you know, Washington state's got the, one of the greatest or statistically one of the greatest quarterbacks in college football. Um, Gardner Minshew, the second, uh, 2,700 yards, um, 23 touchdowns. Now after this game, the graduate transfer, um, yeah, 300 yards passing four touchdowns. They had a rushing touchdown from James Williams as well. Uh, Oregon, they were just they were just held to under a hundred rushing yards, and Herbert was forced to go to the air, and that's that's probably a big reason why they lost the game. Um, they have been relying on their ground attack for the majority of the year, and with the abil- with the inability to do that, that's that's really what lost them the game. So Oregon not looking good, but Washington State, who is six and one now, looking to possibly cruise up the Pac-12 standings uh, in that division. I'll talk about division shaping in a little bit, but Washington Washington State is now a game behind Washington in their division. Um, they had the loss to USC. Um, USC struggling. Uh, they are now relying on their third-string quarterback. I just saw that news article a little bit earlier when I was looking on ESPN. So it will be interesting to see what USC does throughout the rest of the season. But uh, Washington State, they'll they'll obviously play Washington later in the season. Uh, and that game, that that game finishes the season for them. Um, so it'll definitely be pretty interesting to see what uh, Washington State's able to do. They have a road game against Stanford, home against California, um, at Colorado, then home and home against Arizona and Washington. So be interesting because Oregon was was at the top for the Pac-12. Um, but now but now that they've lost, um, it'll be interesting to see what these other teams can do to try to give the Pac-12 some representation. 
Um, oh, I skipped a winner. Uh, South Florida continues their undefeated season, um, 38 to 30 over uh, Connecticut. Um, only one by eight to a struggling Connecticut team, one and six on the season. So not, not looking good for South Florida. They, uh, they've struggled against their past two opponents. They struggle against um, who was that? That was Tulsa. They struggle against Tulsa, now Connecticut. So be interesting to see if they can or how long they can keep their winning up. And Cincinnati lost in overtime to Temple, and that was just another one of those situations where late late in the game they hurt themselves. They made a defensive error. Um, Temple was able to get a wide-open passing touchdown, and they went into overtime, and due to penalties and a um, miscommunication on a snap, it was they were forced into a passing down, and um, Desmond Ritter was not able to convert. Uh, he threw an interception, and again, teams that rely heavily on the ground attack, when they're forced to throw, that's usually what kills them. And then the biggest game of college football, in my mind, the biggest shaker was Ohio State losing to Purdue in a primetime game uh, in West La- Lafayette, Indiana. It was a It was a show for David Blau in the Purdue offense. Um, Purdue won this game because they were able to make plays that Ohio State just wasn't able to make. David Blau, 378 yards and three touchdowns, passing 2,000 yards on the season. Um, Completed 12 of those passes to Rondale Moore for 170 yards and two scores. And then they had DJ Knox run for 128 and three touchdowns. Just a just a complete dominating dominant effort for Purdue. They played at home, um, just dominated the game right from the get go. And for Ohio State, um, it was the greatest uh, passing display for a quarterback at Ohio State. Definitely, um, Dwayne Haskins throws for 400 yards for the third straight week, I believe. Uh, 49 of 73. Through the air, 49 completions out of 73 attempts. I've been an Ohio State fan for a long time. Obviously, being from Ohio, I was kind of born into that. Um, you know, everybody around me watched Ohio State, so I was like, hey, I'm going to be a fan of Ohio State. And I had never seen, I remember a season where our leading receiver had like 15 catches. Now our receivers get that through two games. And that that is because the ground attack of Ohio State, Mike Weber and J.K. Dobbins, who I thought were going to just dominate this year. Ohio State had two healthy 1,000-yard season-capable runners, rushers. Sorry, that came out weird. But uh, anyway, you get my point. Two guys that could run for 1,000 yards. So I thought they, they might honestly have 2,000-yard rushers this year. I thought that J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber would get, you know, at least 800 apiece, but – you know, games like this, Mike Weber, 45 yards and on nine carries, five yards a carry, which is about average for a running back. But J.K. Dobbins, 11 carries for 24 yards, just over two yards a carry. And that's, again, a team. And why I wanted to talk about this last, Ohio State lost this game due to the fact that they couldn't get plays. And that's something that I was listening to a radio show on the way to uh, – 
I don't know where I was going. I was going somewhere, coming back from somewhere. I don't know. But anyway, the point that they were making was that under Ryan Day, Ohio State just looked so much more um, big play oriented. They wanted to make the big play. Sorry. They wanted to make the big play down the field and just light up opponents. They put 77 against Oregon State to start off the season. And then they 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 dominated a few games. TCU was a struggle, but they still pulled it off. And I think I think TCU and Purdue are probably at the same um, same level of where they're where they're at on the season. TCU's been struggling. Purdue's been struggling, but they pull off they pull off victories against some pretty significant teams. Uh, anyway, um, and I just I just think. And they made the point that Urban Meyer just looks tired and worn out from this season. And I totally understand that because it just has changed so drastically. Ohio State, the past the past four weeks, I think Ohio State could have lost every single one of those games. You know, against Indiana, it was close until the fourth quarter when they or third or fourth quarter when they finally took took control of the game. They probably should have lost to Penn State. I do not know how they pulled that one off. Um, they were down 10 points at two separate times in the game. Minnesota. Minnesota was competitive in that game for the whole entire game. And Minnesota just got torched by Nebraska, a winless Big Ten team. And that just goes to show, like, Ohio State, they're – really struggling on the offensive side. They have to they're at the point where they have to give Dwayne Haskins 73 pass attempts to try to win the game. And that's not what Ohio State Urban Meyer, you know, this whole organization wants to pride on. They want to be they want to be known as a team that can run the football. They have been over the course of the past couple seasons whether it's JK Dobbins or Mike Weber or Ezekiel Elliott or beyond that, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. You know, Beanie Wells, uh, Carlos Hyde. Um, they've, they've just always been a team that has a good running back that runs well, and that's what they pride themselves on. Or a running quarterback, Terrell Pryor, or JT Barrett, or Braxton Miller. You know, the Braxton Miller and uh, Terrell Pryor better athletes than JT Barrett was, but Barrett still ran the football. Um, with Haskins, it's a it's more of a struggle, and I think I think what Ohio State needs to do. I don't know I don't know how many people listening to this actually follow Ohio State football and know who they have on their roster, but they have they have this guy. You probably know him. His name is Tate Martell, and um, he's a great athlete. Uh, he, he played earlier in the season. Um, probably Ryan Day's decision, uh, and that's. I actually just I put two and two together <laughs> on the podcast. Um, he used Tate Martell as a as a running quarterback, and I I think that that's what they need to do. They don't have a ground game; they can't get any big plays out of their their rushing offense. And I think they could if they put Tate Martell in for a drive or like three plays, just some a few option plays, maybe a pass here or there to throw off an opponent say, okay, he's not just coming in to run the football. He can pass too. And I think that's, that's really all they need to do. They need to, 
I think that it would help if they put Tate Martell in the game, had him run a few times, throw the defense off, and then start to do what they do, throw the ball. I think that would just be the enough fire, enough of a you know spark to to really ignite that that um, offense. And then there's the offensive line struggles. I've seen it in games. They they can't they don't they don't run block that well. I mean at all. You know, J.K. Dobbins two yards a carry against Purdue. Not saying Purdue's bad, but you know, or against any team that's not ranked, you should you shouldn't run for two yards of carry against them. Uh, anyway, um, I think that's all. Um, not, ju- not just about Ohio State. I think that's all. So they lost, um, and that's that's the majority of the games that happened over the course of the weekend. Um, so how the top twenty five looks now? Um, Alabama retains their number one spot, obviously. Uh, Clemson moves up to number two, hurdling Ohio State. Uh, Notre Dame moves up to three. LSU moves up to four. Michigan moves up to five. Texas moves up to six. Georgia moves up to seven. Oklahoma moves up to eight. Florida uh, was the first team not to only move up by one. They moved up two. They hurled UCF, which is a little unfair because... Um, Florida, well, Florida didn't have a game this week, I believe. No, they didn't. And they, they moved past UCF. Uh, UCF had a, you know, decent victory over East Carolina, which is a struggling team in their division, but you know, just, just sucks that they're not even, I mean, they're giving them a chance. They've got them ranked 10th in a weaker conference. Uh, it's kind of like how Boise State was for all those years when they would constantly win 10 or 11 games and they never seemed to, you know, like break into being seriously ranked and as a contender in a lot of bowls or the national championship even. Um, but anyway, um, Ohio State drops to 11, uh, which I think they should have honestly dropped a little bit more. It's kind of good for them that they didn't drop that much. But um, also bad for the world of college football that they only had them down nine spots um, after losing to an unranked team that has not been ranked all season. Started off 0-3. Um, yeah, it's, it's just confusing to me. But, but then past that, uh, Kentucky moves up too. With their win, West Virginia stays the same at 13. Washington State moves up from 25 to 14. Washington stays the same. Texas A&M moves up one. Penn State moves up one. Iowa moves up one. Oregon down seven to 19 after their loss. Wisconsin up three. South Florida stays the same. NC State down six. Um, Utah is not ranked. Well, Well, was not ranked prior to this week, but now they're ranked 23rd as is Stanford and Appalachian state out of the Sun Belt is ranked for the first time this season. So Cincinnati, Mississippi state and Michigan state all dropped and Mississippi state, and Michigan state, they've been hopping in and out of the rankings. And for Cincinnati, it was a nice run. They were in it for two weeks, but uh, a loss there hurt them. So that's, that's how the uh, rankings look. And uh, 
so there's there's five undefeated left five undefeated teams left one in the SEC one in the ACC one in one independent and two in the American Athletic Conference and so we're at about 36 minutes so I'm gonna start to wrap this up um, so looking ahead to next week, we start off on a Tuesday. Again, this is, this is starting to starting to get to the point where Sun Belt and MAC teams play a little bit earlier. I don't know why. I haven't looked into it, but they play earlier. Uh, Troy goes to South Alabama um, at eight on ESPN two. If anyone, if anybody wants to tune into that, and then the ranked teams start on Thursday. West Virginia hosting Baylor, uh, who's heavily favored in that one. And then Appalachian State on the road playing Georgia Southern. And then to Friday, uh, Utah and UCLA um, will play each other. Uh, 23rd ranked Utah um, will travel to South Cal- Southern California to play UCLA. And then on Saturday, we've got Clemson on the road playing Florida State, Wisconsin on the road, playing Northwestern. Um, and then probably the game of the week, a top 10 matchup, Florida on the road, playing Georgia. Georgia's favored in that game, but I think Florida has a chance. They, they beat LSU and LSU beat Georgia. So if, if you're just going off basic logic, if you beat if you beat a team that beat a team you're playing, you're in you're in good hands. But Florida can't get too too ahead of themselves, can't get too full of themselves. They still got to go out and do their job well. And like I said, throw the ball well, run the ball well, play good defense. You'll win the game. Obviously, <laughs> it's probably the most obvious thing you've heard all week. So thank you. You're, you're welcome for that. Um, that game's on CBS at three thirty. By the way, uh, Oklahoma has a home game against Kansas State. 3.30 on Fox, and then 3.30 on CBS Sports Network. It's SMU hosting Cincinnati, so Cincinnati will have a ba- bounce-back game, try to hopefully get back in the rankings. Um, South Florida is on the road to play Houston, and Houston is probably one of the is probably the best team that's not ranked, not undefeated in that conference. So it'll be a tough road test for South Florida, see what they can do there. Um, that's 3.30 on ESPN2. On on ESPN, same time, it's Iowa on the road to play Penn State. And this is another good game. Um, Both teams trying to uh, get back into the swing of things. Um, That that was a very bad analysis. But Penn State struggling, lost to Ohio State, lost to Michigan State, and trying to bounce back over the course of the season. They they have two Big Ten losses, so not looking good. They're in a tough division. But for Iowa, Iowa trying to uh, continue on this this winning stretch and get past Wisconsin and win their side of the Big Ten. Um, Kentucky on the road against Missouri, and Missouri is favoring that game. So we'll see if the number 12-ranked underdog <laughs> – will beat the unranked um, unranked uh, 
predicted winner of the game, I guess. Just something I don't get, but oh well. Uh, Washington on the road against Cal. Should be a should be a win for them. And then North Carolina State on the road against Syracuse, trying to bounce back against Clemson. Clemson gave or Syracuse gave Clemson struggles, so probably much of the same here against North Carolina State. So that'll be an interesting game. Texas A&M on the road against Mississippi State. Uh, Washington State on the road against Stanford. Another tough test for Washington State. We'll see if they can pull it off. Texas on the road against a struggling Oklahoma State team. Notre Dame on the road against Navy. Navy's not been looking too good this year, but we'll see what happens come game time. And then the final ranked game of the night will be at 1030 on ESPN. And that is Oregon on the road playing Arizona. Arizona, we'll see if Khalil Tate's back. He's not putting up as good of rushing numbers, at least as last year, but um, we'll definitely see if if uh, Arizona won that game or if um, or if um, just closed it out. Oh, yeah, it's Oregon and Arizona. We'll see if Oregon can bounce back against Arizona win or if they'll continue to fall. But uh, how standings are shaping up in the ACC. Clemson sits alone at the top in the Atlantic. Um, NC State and Boston College tied for second at 2-1 and one in the conference. Um, and then in the Coastal Division, it is Virginia Tech at the top, and then Virginia is in second place. 3-0 and 3-1 for the teams. The American Athletic, it's UCF and Temple tied for first in the conference, and South Florida right behind them, all three undefeated. South Florida just with one less victory. So that would often be interesting. Cincinnati is still in the picture at 2-1 and one in the conference. But on the other side, Houston 3-0, and then actually SMU 2-1. Big 12, it is Texas at the top, and then a three-way tie for second, West Virginia, Oklahoma, and Texas Tech. So definitely going to be interesting to see which team can finish out the season the strongest in that division or in that conference. In the Big 10, it is Michigan moving up to number one in the East alone, Ohio State in second at 4-1. and one. And on the other side, it's 4-1 and one Northwestern with the lead, um, and then Wisconsin, Purdue, and Iowa all at three and one. So very, very much a uh, open battle for the West division in the big 10 conference USA. It's at, uh, Florida international at three and zero, middle Tennessee and Marshall at three and one in the East. And then in the West it's uh, UAB at four and zero and Louisiana tech and then Southern miss three and one and two and one in the Mac mid American conference is Buffalo leading the East and Western Michigan and Northern, Northern Illinois tied for first in the West, all teams four and there um, in the mountain West it's Utah state uh, first in the mountain division. And then in the West, it's a two way tie Fresno state and San Diego state at three and each pack 12 
belongs to Washington in the north, and it's a tie between Utah and USC in the south. But Washington State and Stanford, each three and one behind the four and one Washington Huskies in the north, and Colorado and UCLA, UCLA is still two and two. So definitely a chance for at least um, seven teams <laughs> all have a chance to close out the season with a Pac-12 victory. And then in the SEC, Kentucky, Georgia, and Florida, three-way tie for first. In the East in the SEC, Alabama sits alone at top of the West. LSU at 4-1, and one, Texas, A&M, Texas A&M at 3-1. and one. Uh, So it's just who can finish strongest by the end of the season. And then in the Sun Belt, it's a three-way tie. In the East, Georgia Southern, Appalachian State, and Troy. Uh, so that uh, Appalachian State and Georgia Southern game will be interesting. Um, whoever wins that game will most likely be at the top. Um, and if Troy beats South Alabama, they'll uh, they'll still be tied with either Georgia Southern or Appalachian State for that lead. And then in the West, it's U, uh, University of Louisiana at Monroe at 2-2. Two and two. Uh, And then three teams at 1-2, and two, Arkansas State, Louisiana, and South Alabama. Um, so very much a open battle there as well. So a lot of open battles and conferences still. It'll be interesting to see who can finish the strongest in each, but uh, that'll do it for me. We're at about 45 minutes, and I hope I got some good points across. I hope you agree with them um, or disagree with them. That's a beautiful thing about this. I hope you watch some football. I hope you watch that uh, Florida-Georgia game. That's definitely going to be interesting. Iowa and Penn State, that will definitely be interesting. A lot of implications there in each of those games. And then – uh. A lot of a lot of teams that just need to keep cruising along. Um, so we'll see what happens, and that's all I got. So I will come back next Monday and talk to you for another forty-five minutes. And that is all for this episode of Unranked with Logan Kelleher. Hope you enjoyed, and see you next week.